I, uh, I had, I, I do actually have a friend, uh, several actually, but so uh, this friend of mine uh, embarked on a journey, which they're still actually on, uh, of considerable pain uh, and trauma. The situation for them was that uh, they began to explore and to unpick and unpack some stuff from their history, from their background, which was deeply distressing and deeply painful for them. And in fact, so much so that it, to quite a large extent, they had suppressed uh, their memories. And so traumatic has this journey been that on occasions, uh, this friend of mine, with help from others giving them tools to cope, uh, had to kind of ground themselves, had to remind themselves that they weren't living in the past, that they're now living in the present, therefore they couldn't be harmed physically by the past and so they had to find techniques to root and to ground themselves uh, and i'll give you one example of one such tool uh, that they use they would use a phrase i'll translate it as though it was me but this was honestly my friend not me but the phrase would run something like this my name is pete gilbert i'm 63 years old and i have size nine feet my name is pete gilbert I'm 63 years old and I have size nine feet. And my friend using a phrase like that, substituting their own foot size and their own name, of course, that would help them stay present in the moment, to stay grounded and rooted, to stay real and not to be overwhelmed by the trauma of what they were uh, facing and what they had experienced. I'm Pete Gilbert. I'm 63 years old. And I have size nine feet. The reality is, church, that since March 2020, we've all faced trauma in one way or another. We've been hit by a global pandemic, which has not been anyone's experience in living memory. The last one was over 100 years ago. We've seen well, the estimates are currently just short of 4 million people die because of COVID, and probably higher than that in reality. We've gone through 16 or more months of the trauma of uncertainty and unsureness where we've had to make plans and then we've had to change our plans and we've had to have contingency plans. We've not been able to control the direction or the destiny of our lives. We've, we've had the pain of seeing people lose their jobs, of seeing businesses crash around us, long and well-established businesses. We've, at a personal level, we've been trapped in our, in our homes with a sense of isolation perhaps uh, great to hear what Alice prayed earlier, a fear gripping our lives for the future or for our lives. We've had to cope with the grief of seeing all of this going on and for some of us the grief of losing people close to us, not even being able to mourn them the way that we would want to. Even the high points, celebrations, weddings and so on, not being able to celebrate the way that we would want to. This has been a period of time for all of us. Not one of us have not struggled and had to learn things in this time of trauma and change. But for me, I suppose the question is, as we now tentatively begin to step out of our homes, to step back into the new space, to occupy the land again and to look around us, to emerge almost into the light and to look at the changed landscape around us, because we can't go back to what was and 
probably we shouldn't go back to what was. My question is, in the light of all of that change and trauma, as we now emerge, please God, what's going to help us to stay rooted and grounded and real? And I want to help us this morning to, as it were, craft, literally craft our own phrase. I'm Pete Gilbert. I'm 63 years old and I have size nine feet. Can we craft a phrase this morning based on a passage in scripture that will help me and will help you as we emerge into the light and the shifting landscape to stay grounded and rooted and real? I want to read a passage to you from what is often described as the book of the church, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians written by the Apostle Paul whilst he was under house arrest in Rome, probably around about 62, 65 AD, something like that. And I'm very specifically this morning, I want to read to you from the message translation. It's a great translation. I don't use it to study from, but I do read from it from time to time because I find that the, the language in it, it's so fresh and it catches me unawares and it gives me a different perspective on sometimes very familiar words. So I want to read from Ephesians chapter 1 in the message. And if you have a copy of the message on your phone or your tablet or even in front of you, that's fine. If not, then just let these words, the public reading of scripture, let these words wash over you. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long Long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything will be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. And then here are our key verses this morning. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Fantastic words of the Apostle Paul from 
chapter 1 of Ephesians, reading there from the message. Some of those words have echoes for me of of other particularly favourite bits of scripture uh, for me. So, for example, when we read that little phrase, he had us in mind, I'm reminded of Psalm 139. I, I, I turned to Psalm 139 so many times, not least because I, 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 I grew up in Christ, uh, very insecure and with a very negative self-image and self-worth. And Psalm 139 helps to address that with truth from God, how fearfully and wonderfully made uh, I am. And in Psalm 139, it says there that the thoughts of God turn towards you, turn towards me, more frequently than the numbers of grains of sand on a beach. God thinks about you moment by moment across the span of every day of your life more frequently than you can number. He has you in his mind. And then I I, I read that bit about he decided to adopt us into his family. And straight away, I go to Romans 8, a fantastic passage which again i'm so grateful to god for because i used to wrestle with the concept of god as my dad god as my father and in romans chapter 8 it talks there the apostle paul again of course writing using the language of the courts because in that time and in that day and age if a household had a slave who they really liked who'd serve them really well the head of the household could go to court with that slave and say i choose now for them to become no longer a slave but a free person and what is more i choose to adopt them i testify i give witness to this that they can be adopted as a member of my family and that's the language the apostle paul uses in romans 8 it's court language that the holy spirit now rises up within us and gives witness to the fact that we are daughters and sons of the living God. We have been adopted into his family. It's fantastic. And then that exciting little bit, I tried to put emphasis in it, in the tone of my voice, where Paul writes here in Ephesians, we're not barely free, we're abundantly free, free of all the, the, the penalties and punishments that have been chalked up by our histories. We're no longer the products or the sum of our histories, but we are abundantly free. And my head goes to Galatians chapter 5, again written by the Apostle Paul, about the same sort of time. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, where the Apostle Paul says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. We're free. We're free. But to help us stay rooted and grounded and real, As we begin to emerge, please God, post-global pandemic, or certainly as the vaccines take hold and we are safer than we were, I want us to be able to craft this morning a statement that will be a tool for us over these coming days and weeks and months. Because lockdown, going into lockdown was hard enough, but coming out of lockdown could be even more challenging. So I take us to those final verses of the passage that i read let me read them to you again it's in christ this book is full of that phrase in christ in christ the book of colossians written same time same place full of that phrase in christ christ in you the hope of glory your life hid in christ in christ he's not just 
the end that we're heading for. He's the means to the end. He's the, he's the way in which we get transformed. He is the power by which we live our lives for him, as well as the purpose by, by reason of which we live our lives. It's in Christ that we find out who we are. So here's my first question to you this morning, Three Counties Church. And I ask this of you individually, but I also ask it of you as a church, as you emerge as a body, as a church. Who are you? It's in Christ that we find out who we are. If individually and corporately we do not find our identity in Christ, then we will be doomed to seek for our identity and never find it anywhere else. Who are you this morning as an individual? Who are you this morning as a church? Your identity is not found in your name. Your identity is not found in your function, in your plans and in your purposes and in the things that you do. It's not found in your role as a, as a mum or a dad, as a son or a daughter, as a, as a, as a businessman or a, as a, as a banker or, or as a road sweeper or as a, a ice cream server or whatever. It's not found in your role or your function. Your identity isn't found in how well you do what you do. It's not found in your performance. That's the spirit of this age. You'll be rewarded for how well you perform. But that's not where you find your identity. It isn't even found in your gender or in your sexuality. Who are you this morning? It's in Christ that we find out who we are. That's the first part of the little statement that I want to encourage us to think on this morning, to help us as we root and ground and stay real as we emerge into this new landscape. Here's the second thing I want to ask you this morning. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Can I ask you that this morning as well, as an individual, as a church? What are you living for? What gets you out of bed in the morning? That's a, a relevant question, isn't it, for some of us during lockdown? What gets you out of bed and gets you dressed in the morning? What is, what is your passion? What is it that, what are the seeds of life that the Holy Spirit has, has buried deep in your heart, the core of your being? What, one of the ways we can sometimes find out what this is, is by asking ourselves the question, where would I never compromise? Where, what would I, what would I always say no to? I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I'm not saying that. Or flip that on its head. What are the things of God that I will always say yes and then amen to? What are you living for? What floats your boat? What stirs you up? We've always said, my wife and I, Nikki, have always said to our two kids, as long as you love God with all your heart and all your mind, all your body, all your soul, all your strength, as long as you love your neighbour as you love yourself, here is our best advice. Follow your passion. God will give you the desires of your heart. Do you know what you're living for? I suppose in Christianese, in Christian language, the question would be, what is your calling? What is the calling that God has put upon your life? Who are you and what are you living for? And then the third part 
of the little statement that I want to encourage you to craft, literally to craft this morning. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for for what? For what? This is cosmic and it's individual. What did Christ have designs on us for? He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. And he is still working out his overall purpose. God has not been caught by surprise. He didn't cause this global pandemic. It's a product of a broken world and broken people, broken systems and an enemy. But he will redeem it. He is working out in everything and everyone, his overall long range plan. <laughs> and what's his, what is it that he has designs on you for as a church? And as an individual, he has designs on you for glorious living. And so my third question of you this morning, Three Counties Church, and to you as individuals is this. Where are you living gloriously right now? Now, there are two meanings wrapped up in that phrase. You can, you can kind of check it out with alternative translations or the original language. This is about how we live for the glory of God, but it's also about how we live gloriously. In other words, what's your sweet spot right now? There's lots of stuff that's happened that has been painful and negative. Time to think of the good stuff that God had been redeeming. To think of his blessings, of his life, and not just of the cursings and death, of the pain and the trauma and the change of the last 16 or so months. Wait, what's your sweet spot as you emerge into God? Where, where can you give thanks to him and, and, uh, and praise his name for his blessings and his kindness and his provision and his mercy and his healing and the restoration of relationships and the forgiveness of sins and hope that rises afresh and the fact that he has preserved us through all of this? Where are you currently living gloriously? Where are you enjoying what it is to stand as a daughter or a son of God? Under the lavishness of his love, as it says in 1 John 3, how lavish is the love of the Father. It's lavish. It's not, it's not stinting. It's, it's not given in small measure. He lavishes it in bucket loads. Where are you currently living gloriously and for the glory of God? So three questions for you this morning. Three counties. As a church, but also as individuals, and we must start there, actually. The church is synergy, greater than the sum of its parts. But we must start personally. How are we going to stay rooted and grounded and real as we emerge from the change and the trauma and the uncertainty, as we step out into the light and the new landscape again? Well, I believe that if we craft a phrase from scripture that we can remind ourselves exactly of who we are and what we're living for and where we're living gloriously. Let me give you an example as I draw to a close. 
If I were to rewrite that phrase that I started with, I'm Pete Gilbert, I'm 63 years old, and I've got size nine feet. If I were to rework that according to this scripture, perhaps it would read something like this. I'm Pete Gilbert, beloved son of the father, a passionate enabler of other people, enjoying the father's love. Those are the three answers to those questions in Ephesians. I am Pete Gilbert, beloved son of the father, a passionate enabler of other people, enjoying the father's love. What would your phrase sound like? I'm going to encourage you now as we respond to God that we spend just a few minutes literally in quiet, individually, thinking through those three questions. Who am I? What am I living for? And where am I living gloriously? And then coming up with a phrase from those three questions. Maybe it's a phrase you can write on your phone or on your tablet, or if you're still old school like I am, with a pen in the front of your Bible, or, or on a slip of paper that you can stick on the outside of your shower screen so that you can read it while you're in the shower every morning, or on the mirror by the door just before you go out. You look in the mirror and you read that, and you speak it over yourself every day for the next month to help us stay rooted and grounded and real as we emerge into the light and the landscape that lies ahead of us. Do it now. Let's take a few moments of quiet to think in our minds, or better yet, to write on our phones, tablets, piece of paper, front of your Bible, and come up with a phrase based on those questions that you in faith could speak over yourself. It might be as part of the response I'm going to hand back to Alice to help lead us in this response, but it might be as part of your response that you then find the courage and the confidence to share your phrase with two or three people sitting around you. Stay safe, stay socially distanced. Or maybe even, see what Alice wants to do, maybe some of you need to come forward and hear your own voice, speak the words over your own life from the front of the church by way of testimony to the goodness of God. Let's take a few moments to respond to what God has said to us this morning. Jesus, help us by your spirit. Stimulate us. Whisper words of life and blessing and truth as we answer the question, who am I? What am I living for? And where am I living gloriously as I was designed to do? God bless you as you do that.